Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather. And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts. And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Mark's back in action, done with dissertation, and here to... Oh, that's not true. I'm done with <laughs> I'm done with that section. Oh, well, okay. Done with the dissertation you were working on when my sister was on the show. How about that? That's right. There do we you, go. Do you know, um, there's a giant classics library, like tons of New Testament context at the University of Cincinnati, and it's dug out into the ground. So like it goes down five floors into the ground vertically. And I was down there on the very bottom floor digging through stuff on Philo, who I think you and I have quoted on this show before. And I just thought to myself, if, if something happened to me down here, I don't know when someone would find me. Never. Because who's, who's, who else is down in Cincinnati university looking in the new Testament section, right? Oh my gosh. And they were not only, they were not only on break. So like the library were employees were there, but no one else. But post COVID, it's like a ghost town. Like so much of scholarship went online. Anyways, for sure. I didn't die down there. I'm back. Yay, you didn't die. <laughs> Welcome back, Mark, from not dying from the fifth floor down under. Way to go. I do what I do what I can. Yeah. Well, thanks to Mark's um escape from the library. We are gonna have a great dis- discussion today. Um, where Mark's gonna we're, it's this is our Chris our couple of Christmas episodes that we're doing here in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Friends. And so the book of Matthew opens up with this floating motif that slides throughout the book. And so Mark is going to hit the ground running for us and tell us all about that floating motif. So if you listen to any of the Bible Project stuff, they talk about this kind of stuff too. Cool, cool. So welcome to Nerdland. We're going to dive in uh, by asking an interesting question about a whole bunch of famous people from the ancient world. And then we're going to ask, what is a floating motif? And then we're going to see it in the book of Matthew. And then we're going to say, yeah, but so what? All, mm. in, like, all in like under t- 20 minutes. Now let's we have 18. Okay, Ready to go. rock and roll? Yeah, let's go. Okay, Heather, what does Moses, Cyrus the Great, Oedipus the King, Paris, Perseus, Romulus, Hercules, and Jesus all have in common? Do they oh, all? Oh, and oh. Simba, and Simba, and... Uh, the girl on Amazon Prime's streaming show, Hannah. Do they all eat at Chick Fil A? Uh, probably, but not on Sunday. <laughs> they should. Um, <laughs> okay, so they were all born in almost exactly the same way. Like if you oh. read the birth story of Moses, right next to Cyrus the Great, right next uh-huh. to Oedipus, right next to that whole list, on down to Jesus and forward to Disney. And even to Hannah, who had her DNA spliced with a little bit of wolf DNA, so she's wicked vicious and awesome at Kung Fu, um, you will find that their origin story lines up really well in stages, okay? Okay. And this is called a floating motif, and ancient literature's full of it. The sections of the Bible that tell stories, so the narrative portions all the time they will make use of core stories that everyone knows, but then they'll make it about our guy and they'll be doing it for a specific reason to tell okay. a specific story. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so when it comes to 
what we might call the birth of the hero motif or a hero's origin story motif. This Austrian psychologist named Otto Rank wrote a book in 1909 called The Myth of the Hero. And here are his stages. And we'll read them and then we'll track them in Matthew. Okay? Okay, let's do it. Number one, the hero has a pedigree. Like he comes from important parents and he's a big shot from birth. Okay? Sure. Number two, his origin story has to supernaturally overcome difficulties so that the child lives. All right. Usually it's barrenness, like a woman can't have a child. In Matthew, we'll see it's virgin birth. Okay. Three, there's a threat to a child's life that gets avoided by a dream. Like a divine vision comes and saves the child's life and drastic action has to be taken to get away from a threat. Number four, the child escapes and gets raised in obscurity, like in the backwoods where no one knows what's what's what. Right? Did Hannah get He's raised hiding. by wolves? Hannah got raised in the forest. Ooh. Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> Anyways, Sarah, Sarah, my wife, thinks I'm the biggest nerd ever because I'm not only watching this sci-fi show about a teenage girl that's like uber good at combat. But I'm always comparing it to ancient literature and floating motifs. And she's like, you're like a double dork, right? Anyways, so, okay, step five, last one. The kid returns from obscurity and is a total goat, right? Ah. Just takes care of business, saves the kingdom. Simba comes back to Pride Rock and, like, saves the day, right? Yeah. Those those are the stages. All right, now let's let's track them in Matthew. Hero has a pedigree. Matthew starts his book. This is an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the who? The son of David, Boom. the son of Abraham. And yeah. then his genealogy runs through all of the generations of the Bible to show that Jesus goes all the way back to Abraham, all the way to King David, and then all the way to the birth of Jesus, making Jesus a messianic king. So even though no one knows that he's awesome, he has the best possible pedigree. And he fulfills the promised king like David archetype, right? Yeah. Like the, the king, the Messiah that's supposed to be born to David's throne is Jesus because of this gene- genealogy, okay? Right. Number two. The superhero or the hero or the guy in the story overcomes difficulty to be burnt to be uh, to be born. And we said that a lot of times the story is barrenness, like mm. a woman can't have a child, but the God in the story hears the person and grants them a child. Or in Moses, uh, well, anyways. And for Jesus, though, it's virgin birth. And yeah. some scholars tried to argue for years, like, well, they're just they're just taking a step farther. They're just saying, our guy's so awesome that while most women are barren and the gods give him a child, Jesus was born of a virgin, making him all the more cooler. I don't think that's true at all. I think by the time the gospel of Matthew and Luke hit, all of Paul's letters have been in circulation. They're sure. a little bit later and we have a little bit more of a theology of Christology sure. that's grown up. And so the author of Matthew very much knows that Jesus has to be fully God and fully human in my humble opinion. Like I think the author knows that Jesus needs to be human mm-hmm. to 
pay for the sins of humans yeah. and needs to be divine fully to reconcile us fully to God. Like, sure. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's like a, something to downplay. Does that right. make sense? Sure. Yeah. But anyways, Jesus birth overcomes the barrier of, well, not having a dad. Boom. Yeah. Sure. It's <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, step three, <laughs> there's a threat to child, the child's life that get gets avoided by a dream. King so, Herod. Yeah. Go in to Matthew, Egypt. In Matthew, King Herod, well, he basically acts just like the Pharaoh, sure. right? Yeah. He's going to stop a threat to his dynasty by eliminating all of the Hebrew baby boys, just like Pharaoh wanted yeah. to throw all the baby boys in the Nile so right. that the Jews exactly. didn't become too numerous. Yep. Herod doesn't want to be replaced. So it says that King Herod basically hears of this coming king and makes a plan to go, what, quote unquote, honor him, but we know he wants to kill him. True that. And when it doesn't work, right, he launches a, a plot to take his life. Yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. In both cases, though, God gives the Magi a dream to let them know where the king is and then to not go tell Herod. Yeah. And he gives Joseph a dream to flee down to Egypt right. and a second dream to come back once Herod the Great is dead. Yeah. Isn't that far yeah. out? That's number three of our floating motif. Yep. Okay. And number four, I like the floating sign, sign you just made. Thank you. Okay. Number four, the child escapes. So we escaped Herod and he gets raised in obscurity. That's in Egypt. No one knows where the Jewish king went. He's yeah, down in huh? Egypt hiding out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Do we know um, how old Jesus was when he made his way back. I don't know. Yeah. Um I you know to me like I read the I read the opening of Matthew and I see all these literary elements at play. Yeah. And I don't I don't really ask I don't ask questions that the text isn't interested in. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so Matthew is very interested in showing us Jesus fits the mold of every great person ever that has a story where they're born this way. Yeah. But he's putting it to work to show that Jesus is actually the Davidic king. He's the king of the Jews that yeah. everyone was hoping for and right. the Messiah, right? Yeah. yeah. So we've got two things going on. We've yeah. got this is how a famous person is born, is, yep. is born, but then we have it being leveraged to say this is who Jesus uniquely is and why it's amazing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I don't know how old he would have been, maybe a few years old. Sure. But um, you could line it up with when Herod the Great dies. That's a good point. Jesus is born. Oh, yeah, that's I a think. good point. Um, but those arguments are within a couple of years. Right. Usually, that's true. Still. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So Jesus comes back and is a total goat. I'm just going to say that the rest of Heather and I's show tries to prove constantly that Jesus is so amazing Woo! in this context. Right? True that. Yeah. Okay. So what do you what do you do with all this? Yeah. Again, this is called a floating motif. A motif is a core storyline that has like set stages and it's floating because you can take it anywhere in ancient literature, pop it in and adjust your characters right. and adjust your events slightly. And it's like, there's a core story that happens over and over again. Jewish literature does this all the time. Mm -hmm. It's why some people freak out when they find out that they're like, other stories of a flood and a guy on a boat from other cultures. Right. I read it as 
a scholar of Jewish literature. And I'm like, oh, that's so awesome how he put that core story to work. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. And, and so when you find that you're in a floating motif like this, though, don't freak out. Like when you find, oh, all these people of antiquity were born in these stages, just like Jesus. It just means you need to shift your question from what really happened and literal questions about, well, when did the wise men show up? And when, you know, you need to shift those literal questions to how is the author putting the story to work? Because what you don't want to miss is what Matthew's actually trying to say. Sure. The only reason he plugged in this story is to show you that Jesus is baller, that Jesus is the Davidic king. That Jesus is leading an exodus like Moses right. from sin. I mean, track track this story mm-hmm. against Moses. Sure. And it will just start to pop off the page. Oh, totally. Right? And that's so true. Like, you see that all throughout the Bible, these constant um, stories kind of just reappearing and showing up again. And I'm sure a lot of his listeners would have went, oh, yeah, that's like Moses. Or that's like yeah. uh, Elisha. Or that's like you know, whatever, right? Some sort of character from the Old Testament. And here we are again, it's showing up what in the life of does, Jesus. What this does is it makes you love the character more and trust their legacy more. Yeah. Just like when we watch when we watch a Marvel movie uh-huh. and every character has an origin story. Sure. We know what part we're in. We're no, we know that the Hulk and Spider-Man both had an origin story that mm-hmm. started with a mess up in a lab that became a huge detriment to them, but they could also leverage it for good. Yeah. But it makes us like love them more and sure. want to trust the story more, right? right? Yeah. And so an ancient reader, they're n- they would not have been shocked to find that Moses and Cyrus have the same birth story. In fact, mm. the writers of the Bible are doing it on purpose. Right. Um, right? So like, the questions... You- what do oh, you think ahead. what do you think the main purpose is is why they're doing that? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons. One is Jewish history, like their concept of history is cyclical. And so when God makes the same things happen over and over again yeah. at different points in history, we we look at that and we were, we want to call foul. Like, well it can't be historically literally true because mm. the same events are happening over again. You just borrowed it. You know, I would say it's an ancient floating motif. Sure. They see it as cyclical history. God's doing it again. God's doing it again. God's doing it again. Mm -hmm. Even the way Matthew writes his genealogy, he maps 14 generations from Abraham until David, 14 generations from David to the exile, and then 14 generations from the exile to Jesus. And he's trying to show that the whole thing has a narrative arc and God knows exactly what he's doing. Totally. Right? Yeah. And so Matthew's leveraging this story mm-hmm. to show you that Jesus is a legit king. Yeah. But he's also uniquely divine in some amazing ways, right? He's the goat, man. He's the goat. This is this is why all this matters though. It, this is what I think this is so important because so many of our students and to be quite honest, some of us as leaders we need to grow up a little bit in mm. how we read the Bible. Sure. So many of us, well, our hearts are our hearts are burdened and sad that we have about a 500 batting average. Mm. Like which would be good in baseball but bad in discipleship, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> because sure. serious, I mean there are students that I've walked with for 6 years and they pitch their faith yeah. and the big word they use for it is deconstruction. Yeah, that's a big and, word right now. 
Well, the way I simply define deconstruction is it's when you grow up and your reason starts to pick apart your faith. Right. And what I always want to say is I wish you would take that reason and apply it to the way you read ancient literature. Sure. Because it's even better than you thought and even more brilliant than you thought. You just can't read it like a historical action film. Shot yeah. by shot by shot is being the literal truth. And if one part of it falls apart, then the whole thing falls apart. Right? You know how like in life sometimes when uh, you discover something where you're like, oh my gosh, this is life changing. Like for example, this is so silly, yeah. but since I'm a parent, like mm -hmm. my husband and I discovered this playpen that's like the size of, it's gigantic. And it's, and it's something that yeah. we can set up in our living room. Man, that <gasps> when we found that thing, it was a total game changer. Changed she can just run, right? She can run in there. She could play in there. We knew she was safe in there. But before that, before I knew about that, you know, life was a bit unbalanced and chaotic at times because she'd be getting into things, that kind of thing. So oh, I'm just small children of, aren't chaotic. I don't know what no, you mean. No, 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 never, never, <laughs> never. But you know what I'm saying? Like when you discover yeah. like what, like the best, something that's really great, it changes you. And it's just like that yeah. with, you know, reading the Bible from within its first century context, when you discover yeah. the beauty of the way the ancient writers wrote and the yeah. way that the Jewish people thought and the culture and the context, it it's like, whoa, this is life changing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, serious. What if if you just had to think as a thought experiment and ask yourself, what is what does God ultimately want from our discipleship? Hmm. It's it's not it's not wooden belief that every single stitch of the biblical story checks out or is true or is a yeah. hard fact. Sure. It's actually God, God wants us to be disciples of Jesus so that we participate in the kingdom of God. Right. And if you start there with this idea that we've said again and again on this show, that Jesus is the King and mm -hmm. to believe in Jesus means to surrender your life to Jesus because he died for your sins and yeah. you can trust what he says to do at every turn. Yeah. If you can believe that for yourself, that's what you have to give to your students. Yeah. And then just enjoy the Bible. It's yeah. quirky, scrappy, mm -hmm. salt of the earth, and it's telling you the stories in the way ancient people connected with. Yeah. And you can actually learn to connect with it like an ancient. Yeah. You can read hey, it with ancient eyes Mark, instead of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a great way for people to do that. Really? What's there, that? There is. We are launching our second round of the Parables cohort. Oh, I can't wait. On Wednesday, January the 26th. So should we tell our people about that and then wrap up this yes. puppy? Okay. Yes. So go to our website, uh, firstcenturyyouthministry.com. Get signed up. Mm -hmm. It's 100 bucks, or name your own price. We don't care about making money. We just want to make more friends. So if you got 10 right. bucks in your pocket, that's cool. Throw it our way, and we'd love to hang out with you for six weeks to teach you a lot of these things that Mark, Mark was talking about today. So, friends, uh, if you haven't yet, check out the book, First Century Youth Ministry. Go check out our Facebook page, First Century Youth Ministry. Like us, follow us, join our closed group, and we'd love to get to know you more. So, friends, thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Mark, thanks for the great discussion on floating motif, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Right on. Bye, everyone. <laughs>